I'll play back the levels the way you set them. Say it on me. Hey, pussy, are you still there? Lee. I back. People are always saying about the talk, and I talk, and I talk, and I talk, but guess who can walk? I back it up. I back it up. That means it's time to roll, baby. You got nothing going on between your ears, buddy. Hey, John, do you think I'm just going to sit there and let you kill me, John? I mean, really. I think I could beat every girl in my division with one hand. That guy's such a dick. I mean, you show your true colors after a fight. That fucking guy comes up to me. You know who you are, huh? I don't have much left to say other than you have seen nothing yet. <laughs> Hope to God you come ready. Hi, Michael Morgan, and welcome to this edition of the Wocast. Joining me as usual, my sister from another mister, G from Wo TV. Hey, hey, Mike, what's good? Well, you know what? We've got a special guest. I'm going to think, well, I think uh, without further ado, it'd be rude not to bring him in. The inimitable Franz Malambo. Franz, how you doing, my man? I'm good, thank you. Thank you. That was, yeah, that was good stuff. I like that. Well, I have to say, you know, before we go any further, friends, you have to be one of the calmest and coolest characters I've ever come across. Not only did you breeze through the head-to-head, which, you know, we organised for you the last time round with Dominic Wooding. I mean, it was almost as though you had your feet up, you had kind of like a calm demeanour and composure. It was almost as though you were going to the shops to just buy some shopping. Where does this calm demeanour come from? <laughs> I don't know, man. I think I was just born that way, I suppose. <laughs> but um, it, it's crazy because um, so sometimes it's not always it's not always a good thing, right? Because um, I, uh, I have a girlfriend. Now. I'm with my girlfriend ages, but she's like the very opposite. You know what I mean? But. I kind of need that to kind of kick me up sometimes, you know, to get me started. Because sometimes I feel like I'm too chilled out. You know what I'm saying? It has its positives most of the time, but sometimes, sometimes it's bad. So it's being being super chill isn't always great. You know what I'm saying? I hear you. I hear you. I mean, I, I I'm guessing that your pulse or your uh, your heart rate is going to be going up a notch, especially it being fight week. UFC two four six. One of your quite well-known buddies um a constant or previous sparring partner of yours um when when he was at a lighter weight um goes in against donald cerrone i'm obviously talking about the notorious conor mcgregor now in in terms of you know heart rates and everything i mean first off let me just take a step back why is it that i take it that i'm speaking to you you're in ireland and you're not over there in vegas yeah like i said like um like I've been, I've been sparring Connor for for years, like since I started MMA. But um, like since he's moved up to the, and I like I was sparring for like most of his camps and stuff like that. But then for since he moved up weights, like and I, I've kind of, uh, like right. Let me let me slow down for a second, right? So I used to spar him when I was amateur at featherweight, right? And that's where he used to fight as a pro, and then went uh, I ran pro as well still sparring and stuff like that but then he moved up weights and i went down weights you know what i mean i went down a weight and he moved up like a few weights so it doesn't really make any sense anymore for him to be using me because he kind of used me for like speed precision and type of kind of stuff like that um because that, that, that that's what i kind of i'm good at but now that he's he's, he's fighting bigger guys and stuff like that it doesn't make too much sense i, I i'm guessing uh, to spar me like you know what i'm saying because, like, uh, everybody sparring now is kind of like uh, the bigger guys, you know what I'm saying? See, that I definitely get. You know, I think it'd be kind of remiss of me, before we get carried away in the talk 
about, you know, Conor McGregor and Donald Cerrone, just to give you your due first off, you know, um, of late, you've been uh, getting quite the reputation as the team Titan Hunter. You've dispatched Nathan Grayson and you've actually ran through Dominic Wooding, the Black Panther. Now, in terms of those two victories, were, was there a little bit of a, um, how can I put it? Um, well, a, a victory on another level, given that, you know, a lot of people were hoping or seeing that Dominic Wooding may actually avenge his, uh, well, his good friend, Nathan Grayson. Was there a sense of, um, well, um, a, a, a added victory given what was at stake there? Um, yeah, well, like, you know I mean, he was, a, like, Wooden was a very good fight for me, you know what I mean? And he was a big fight as well for me, like, in a, I, I was very happy to win it. And um, and I think the only the only added thing that I kind of got from it is that I felt like going into the fight there was a lot of people that uh, just kind of assumed that he was just going to beat me. I didn't understand that. You know what I mean? And I was like, I, could, I was just like, <laughs> I was like, right, this guy must be super fantastic. Or I don't know what's going on, but there's there was a few like there's a few things I seen like a few posts and stuff like that. That was like that, that. That that just kind of sounded like they were they were they were putting assumption forth that this guy was just going to be me. You know what I mean? And I was like, this is this is crazy, because um, I was I, I kind of felt like uh, you know what I mean. I, I had the skills to 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 definitely take care of this guy, and, and obviously then I did. But um, yeah, so that definitely brought that bit of extra, like uh, you know. Yeah, that's that's nice. When I look back at the fight and stuff like that, to be honest, I was kind of disappointed. It kind of looked real sloppy and stuff like that. But um, I I watched his fights back, and then I was like, oh my, like this dude, this dude is deadly. Because I watched a few of his highlights, like because you know what, I I never researched my fighters, but then I was like, might as well see like what what he's about. Like watched a few of his fights, then that dude is lethal. Do you get what I'm saying? So after all that, I, I did kind of feel a bit like, yeah, yeah I, I did a good job uh, taking care of one. Now, in, in terms of <clears throat> the blowback afterwards, given that there was, I wouldn't say animosity, because uh, try as I might to actually stir things up before the fight, there didn't seem to be any real animosity going on there, if anything. Uh -huh. Um, it, 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 it was very, very respectful. Now, given that, you know, in the build-up, it was respectful, was there any conversation that you had afterwards in terms of, like, not necessarily consoling um, Dominic on, on the loss, but in terms of, like, talking, um, you know, in, in an amicable manner? Yeah, no, like, there wasn't... Um, unfortunately, actually, there wasn't very... There wasn't much dialogue after the fight, like... Um, the only real time I actually had a chat with him was uh, after the weigh-in, like when we went backstage, it was just like, here, bro, you know what I mean, nice one for, you know what I mean, taking this fight and stuff like that, and uh, I was asking him, I was like, is it okay if we if we pray at the end of the fight, and then we did that at the end of the fight, I, whatever happens, I, I always uh, kind of make this little deal with, with my opponents, they take it or not take it, but I, I'd appreciate if that does happen, whether I win or lose it, that's something I like to do. But, uh, you know what I mean, that that happened. And, yeah, it was pretty respectful throughout the whole thing. Like, Dominic Wooden is a, is a fantastic guy from what I've seen. Like, you know what I mean? 
so uh, yeah I don't know if that answers your question but no we didn't really have too much dialogue at all no unfortunately because I, I would have actually liked to talk to him more yeah well Franz I kind of noticed that um, during the build up the, of the fight you said that um, you know a lot of people were doubting you against Dominic Wooding what makes you think that people doubted you because you did win unanimously and it was um, pretty dominant 30-27 30-27 uh, and 30-28 so that's pretty you know you were pretty much in control why do you think people doubted you nah you know it was just a few things I seen from like social media a few posts and stuff like that, that, that that's all That's all it was you know what I mean anybody that I was personally talking to they're, they're always telling me I'm deadly so I, I tend to just block that out. <laughs> you know oh, what I, mean? okay. I don't need people telling me I'm great. So I just kind of like, all right, that's cool. So like uh, uh, when, when when I be reading a few things on the post and stuff like that about both of the fights, uh, a few people were like, you know what I mean? You're going to kill this guy. And I was like, oh, really? this is very interesting. So that that's where I get that from. Yeah. Oh, okay, great. And actually, the, the number one thing is uh, Bellator posted is wooding going to be too fast and too sharp for Franz right. <laughs> I was like, hold on here a second. Too fast and too sharp for Franz Malambo. I think it was like too technical or something. And I was like, all right, now it's game on, right? Yeah. You've even poked the beast here. But uh, yeah, no, that, that, that was about it, really. Nothing really, you know, superb. I don't know. <laughs> you get me anyways, yeah? Yeah, I feel you. So in, in terms of the build-up and the preparation you know what i've all it's what's always intrigued me what sort of dialogue what sort of um conversations happen between you and john kavanagh in terms of preparation because i take it he's the guy who predominantly looks at tape he's the guy who predominantly worries about um what threats and what weaknesses there are i mean what kind of conversations usually happen in the run-up to something like that I genuinely don't even know how to answer that. <laughs> you know what I mean? He just kind of, he just always tries to make sure that, I mean, you're re- you're ready for it. And if he, he ever feels like you're not ready, you know what I mean? You're you're in trouble as in like, he, he'll never try to put you in anywhere that he doesn't feel like you're ready, in anything he doesn't feel like you're ready for. But um, I don't know. That's That's a difficult question to answer, really. You know? So, I, I hope you don't mind me saying this, but having looked at you um, when you were in Brave and like having compared where you are now in Bellator, there does seem to be a marked kind of almost Franz Malambo 2.0. Am I right in saying that or am I being overly critical of where you've come from in terms of what you did in Brave? No, 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 no. You're not being at all like, you know, that, 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 that's exactly what it is because... Um, like, like I said, like when I started my professional uh, career, I had a bit of a hype behind me, made a few mistakes, flipping, got like accumulated a few losses and stuff like that. And then, you know what I mean? That kind of switched my mind. Like, because I, I just kind of wasn't, I felt like I wasn't performing to the best of my abilities. I, I still don't feel like I am, but them, they, they, them losses definitely woke me up. You know what I mean? They definitely put a spark in me. And, uh, yeah, no, I, I definitely feel like I, I'm, I'm better now than I was uh, there in uh, in Brave. You know what I mean? Just as just as a fighter in general, just as a competitor in general. Oh yeah, I had more questions about when you said um, you block everything out. How much blocking out do you do? Does that include like blogs, media? Or are you just completely focused on what's ahead of you and you just block everything out and just let people tell you things? No, like as in like 
Um, like I don't, uh, I don't never want to go into a fight thinking that I'm better than my opponent in a way. You know, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I don't know if that makes sense, but I, I never want to mm-hmm. go in thinking that like this guy doesn't even have a chance. Because usually when I think like that, it doesn't work out for me. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like for example, right? I right. fought this guy Stephen Lawman in Brave. Right, he's a mm-hmm. real cute looking guy. Like he's mm-hmm. he's he's real quiet, real timid. Like, and you look at him, and I was I was looking at him. I was like, how is this guy even gonna be stepping into the cage with me, right? And then we stepped like we we fought twice. We fought uh, uh, a three round fight, and uh, the last fight was a title fight. And uh, the, the 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 two fights were awesome. But this guy was just flip a beast you know what i'm saying he, he was he was a good wrestler i hit him with everything i had and he just wouldn't go down but i just i i just find that anytime i'm like right this guy just doesn't have a chance i i end up losing even like uh, i i had a stupid loss there um against um I, I don't actually remember the guy's name right now but he flipping choked me out you know what i'm saying and this yeah. guy only had like two fights and I, I looked at this as a breeze. I was like, Brave is just trying to give me money. I don't know what, why they even give me this guy and I ended up losing that fight. So anytime I'm like overconfident, I just flop. You know what I mean? And yeah. anytime I'm kind of like, right, shit, this, there's a bit of pressure here. I tend to perform. I perform better under pressure, even though I'm calm and stuff like that. When there is in the background, there is like a lot of stuff on the line. That's when I perform. So, the stuff I kind of block out is, you know, when people are like, oh, here, like, he's he shit fighter. I don't know, you know what I mean? I don't want to hear that. I want to hear, like, this guy is going to test me. That's what I want to hear. Because yeah. people so, people will, will tell you stuff like, oh, you're great and all, you're going to smoke him. I don't want to hear that. Right. You know, that's the type of stuff I block out. So it's safe to say that you're not taking your next opponent, Ricky Bendejas. You're not underestimating him or not taking him serious. Not even a bit am I underestimating him. He beat James Gallagher. Like, uh, you, there like you go. no. Nobody realizes how good James Gallagher is. I know, like he's a, he's, he's yeah. a superstar and stuff like that. But this kid is very, very talented, and for him to be James Gallagher, and um, th- this guy is is something special. You know what I mean? So I'm not underestimating him at all. Do you get yeah. what I'm saying? And uh, that 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 <laughs> that makes it more of an exciting fight. How much does that play into your training? Is it like an extra boost? Is there like a revenge or like payback story here, friends? Because he did, you know, we remember that loss. Yeah, no, there's, ne- there's never any of that with me. Like even like uh, with the last fight, like the last guy uh, wouldn't uh, beat one of my guys. It, it's never nothing to do with revenge. Like we're going to come across. Right. Uh, you know what I'm saying? It, it's not like that. What it is to me is, is an opportunity. You know what I mean? He's a he's a he's a he's a he's a big name in America Absolutely. and whatnot. And uh, you know what I'm saying? I, I I feel like I'm kind of getting old. I'm getting to the stage of my career now where I need to really start making things happen. And uh, he's like uh, he's gatekeeping there, so I, I need to get through him to make some things happen. Oh, absolutely, yeah. So, friends, at the last Bellator event, I mean, speaking about your good friend there. Um, James Gallagher, you obviously saw what unfolded. Just talk me through, just if you can imagine in your mind's eye how you would have reacted if you were in the middle of that alongside James. I mean, what would have been your reaction? What would have been your gut or what would have been your go-to move, so to speak? Yeah, because they did get into a scuffle. It was like MVP, James Gallagher, and um, 
what's it called, Mike Kimball, and then also Fabian Edwards' um, opponent at the time, Mike Shipman. Right. No, so they yeah. all had, had, had like, like a little, little scuffle, scuffle at, at the weigh-ins, I believe. This was at right. the media day before the weigh-ins. Yeah. Oh, uh, okay, okay. Yeah, no, see, like, I'm a flipping super peacekeeper. <laughs> I hate lights. <laughs> <laughs> so, in that situation, Frank Palambo would have had his hands out and trying to stop that nonsense from happening. Like, we're, 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 we're going to, like, the, the whole point of our sport is to fight, right? We're gonna you're, like you're gonna fight either way. Why, why? Why are you doing all this nonsense outside? And like, somebody could get hurt, or uh, the fight could get cancelled, and it, that it's not, it's not, it's not, it's not very hard to risk that uh, and get into them little altercations. You know what I mean? People like that type of stuff, but um, something could go wrong, and it, it might not be worth it. You get what I'm saying? Just for the bit of excitement. But uh, I, don't, I don't know what it was in people's heads doing this type of stuff, but. Uh, I, I just it does make sense to me, but that's just my own personal thing. But if I were if I was there, I would have definitely been pulling people apart to stop that from happening. I, I assume, <laughs> you know what I'm saying. I haven't been really in that situation to know what I'd actually do, but I, I guess that's what would happen. One of the things that actually fascinates me, I have to say, friends, in the lead up to many of the bouts which are actually organised um, under the Bellator roster. Um, John Kavanagh comes in for a lot of criticism in that a lot of people have pointed the finger at him and said that he is shielding his fighters. Now, this for me, in terms of a matchup, Ricky Bandeas um, and you, obviously disproves that. But what do you think when you hear that, when you see that chatter online and when, you know, that's actually leveled at John? How do you feel about that statement? That's genuinely not even something I've ever considered. Like, if I, I read, I read an article there about uh, about me and Ricky's fight, and uh, somebody was writing about me, and they were saying that uh, in Brave, I fought people way more experienced than me. I, I always kind of feel like that. John always, you know, puts a test to us. He doesn't always. I don't know. He's tested me. Like in any ways, you know what I mean. He always gets me fights that are. are are good. I, I don't get. I, I've never even thought that he would um, be shielding people. I don't know. And I, I, I stay out of politics and stuff like that. But that's not even something that I would have thought John would do. It wouldn't make any sense. Could you be a very successful, uh, like, coach of fighters doing that, like dodging people and stuff? Like, it doesn't make any sense, though, does it? Like, look at who Connors for. Look at who people look at who james is for look at who people like i don't know i don't know how that makes sense like these little type of things comments and stuff like that that's why i stay out of social media because it's sometimes it's just pure nonsense you're absolutely right i mean sticking with social media though um a lot of people had a, a lot of things to say about conor mcgregor's recent uh, pad work now for me I, I saw a sharp conor mcgregor i saw somebody whose footwork had vastly improved in terms of fluidity and body movement. I mean, when you see those disparaging comments, I mean, what goes through your head when you, you see people actually, you know, trying to rip Conor McGregor just based on a few minutes worth of sparring and, um, well, hitting pads? Yeah, but people will always do that. Like, Conor is a very big name. You get what I'm saying? And, uh, the type of character he is, like people hate him or love, like other, other, other love him or hate him. To get what I'm saying, so no matter what he does, 
people are going to comment either positively or negatively. That's inevitable. So them type of things are just, they're just part of the thing. Like, you know what I mean? He, he just embraces all that type of stuff. No, 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 I don't really care about all of it. But uh, I don't think he cares either. So it's just people commenting and stuff like that. It doesn't really change reality in any type of way. But I don't, I don't think it, any, it affects anybody. I doubt it affects him, you know what I mean? Because he kind of invites that type of uh, uh, reactions from people, if if that makes sense. Do you think we see a healthy Conor McGregor and like the 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 Mystic Mac that everybody wants to see again on January eighteenth? Like his his head is switched back on, and to be honest, nice. like as 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 I've been as I've been going around, I I genuinely haven't seen too much of Conor at all. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? So I, I couldn't tell you his mindset or what he's doing. Or I, I, I'm, I'm, I know as much about Connor, probably less than you do right now, because I haven't mm-hmm. seen him. I don't know what he's doing. The sparring video, the thing video you're talking about, I haven't even seen that. So I, don't oh. know. yeah, I don't have a clue. It's quite interesting, though. One of the but things that you. Like, I'm probably the worst person to interview. Right, let's check this. I don't go on social media and check all this out so i don't really have much information on uh, on what's going on in the world you know what i'm saying so hopefully i can make this as exciting as possible well you know something you said something interesting to start off that segment there in terms of questioning you said that conor mcgregor looks switched on what does what does that mean what does a conor mcgregor being switched on uh look like how does that feel so like I, I say that from 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 hearing other people telling me this. So this this is third party information you're getting here from me. You know what I'm saying? Because yeah. like I said, I used to spar Conor, like right, and mm-hmm. uh, from then I could like for, 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 from from seeing then I know what kind of fighter he is in the way that when you're in there with him, he's he's, he's very adaptive and stuff like that. He he adapts to what you're doing and he, he counteracts that. You get what I'm saying, but me saying that he switched on right now—that's just third-party information. That's just what I have heard, you know. So, around to the inevitable question: in terms of what you have in the bank, in terms of experience, and what you have in the bank by way of the many rounds—we're talking like hours. We're talking possibly thousands of hours that you have in the bank with sparring, um, Conor McGregor. What can we expect in terms of um, the outcome on Saturday? I mean, he's obviously facing somebody at a weight, which obviously is above, not to say that he hasn't fought around that weight, but it's above his normal weight category. What can we expect on Saturday? Right. Saturday is going to be awesome, right? But check this, right? Big fan of Cerrone. Like, I actually... Feel, I feel weird saying these type of things about Cerrone because Cerrone is awesome. But in this fight, I don't I don't see it going his way. Any anyhow, like anyway, you know what I'm saying? Like um, he, he's a legend. Like like he's he's a proper legend, uh, Hall of Famer and stuff like that. I'm sure he will be soon. Um, but he's I don't think his chin is in the game anymore. You know what I'm saying? His heart is in it. 
but uh, his uh, his chin has left the building um, according to his last his last few fights. You know what I'm saying? And that's that's absolutely no disrespect to to Donald Cerrone. Like I'm saying, like uh, he's an I've I've literally followed his whole career. He's one of my favorite fighters. Love his style and stuff like that. But um, him facing Conor, I think, is just a terrible idea. It's not a it's not it's not a good move at all. I don't in in my view. Anyways. Interesting. Well, Interesting. we've only days to actually find that out. But just switching the conversation back to your fight, I know you're not braggadocious. I know you're not verbose in terms of describing outcomes, but I'm just intrigued as to how you see Ricky Bandeas versus Franz Malambo actually playing out. I mean, are we looking at a first, second round or even third round finish, are we looking at something which is going to be a lot quicker than we saw when you actually faced Dominic Wooding? No, uh, most definitely. Most definitely. Like, um, I'm definitely not looking to do any overtime on this here fight. Because um, this, like I said, this is this is a big one for me. And uh, I'm, I'm not taking any chances. Like, you know what I'm saying? I'm going there with, um, with a <laughs> very... Very, 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 very dangerous intentions. I have to say, friends, now that he's off the line, he is Mr. Stoneface, Ghostface Killer. You can't actually bait <laughs> him. You can't draw him on anything. He's just such the consummate professional. When you try and, like, take him down an avenue, you know me, I love always making trouble. Oh, yeah. He's not trying to hear or see a bar of it. He's keeping it strictly on the rails. He's like, not today, Satan. Not today. Yeah, he's like, uh-uh, I'm not fooling with neither one of y'all <laughs> trying to get all this tea. Get all this tea. And, you know, just trying to get the scoop. and just trying to find out what's going on in my head. He's like, nope. Which was is just goes to show you that, you know, he's also not only a professional, but he just seems like a really nice guy, you know? Oh, 100%. It's amazing how... It's amazing how some of these guys just do something so violent for a living, and yet when you speak to them or you encounter them, they're really nice. <laughs> you know, speaking of really nice, it's great to have the break. It's great to have the famine, actually, um, well, lifted now. We're now in fight week. I think it's only right at this point just to have a little break and uh, hear from Kairos, who's back from his travels. What is going on? It is 2020 UFC Fight Week. Cerrone versus McGregor is less than seven days away. So we can finally stop getting at each other's necks on the Twitter sphere. We can stop hitting each other back with these ruthless clapbacks, talking about people's bangs, talking about people's livelihoods, talking about their families. Oh my goodness, it was a bloodbath out there. Hide the children, hide the women, hide everybody. Luckily, the UFC has returned. I want to talk to you guys about the training footage that Conor McGregor released these past few days through the Mac Life, I believe. Now, first glance i saw him with the dj out he was laughing joking i was thinking well the old connor of late is returned and that's a dangerous story for everybody like he's he brought his team out there he brought his friends and family he's yucking it up with the boys dancing wrapping his gloves and smiling and i was just like this is connor mcgregor when he had that killer instinct looking at his frame and dimensions i'm no expert so don't act like i am and don't hold me to that level but he didn't look overblown like we've seen in the past. He didn't look super dehydrated like we've seen him cut to 145 pounds. He looks optimum, and that's the reason why he didn't want to have to cut weight for this fight. He wanted to be at his optimum weight. He wanted Don Cerrone to be at his optimum weight so that he can prove just how dominant he is in comparison to someone who's not deteriorating and dehydrating their body. And I'm all for it. He looked sharp, 
I'm no striking expert, so I'm not going to break down the things that he did on the mitts because I don't know what I'm seeing. But I want to talk to you about something that I do know what I'm saying, which is on the Twitter feed. I don't understand how people can have arguments or have a thought on who's going to win and base it off of something of the likes of, well, I don't like this fighter, or I think this fighter deserves this, or I just want to see this fighter get this in the end. Well, guess what? That has no bearing on the outcome of this fight. And I'm not going to rant to you about this, but I just think that's a little bit strange for you to say this fighter is going to win because of this. You can say, I want this person to win for this reason. But for you to say this person is going to win and guaranteed to win because of this, it's just delusion. You are opening up the door for yourself to be very disappointed. Now, back to Conor McGregor. He looked loose. And one thing that my college coach always told me is loose is fast, fast is fun, fun as us. And I'm not saying that's the only way, but that's worked for me. When you are not constantly distracted by the bearing of, I got to compete, I got to destroy my opponent, or I got to hurt them, that weighs you down psychologically. I think it drains you even faster when you're competing too. And my personal experience, I can't speak for Connor. I can't speak for anybody else. I'm just speaking from my point of view. And I think that Connor is going to be a very dangerous man when he fights Donald Cerrone. And he's going to beat him at his best. Donald's going to be at his best too. I think he's going to march into the center of the cage, control the octagon, force Donald Cerrone to back up. And he's just going to hit him with missiles for four minutes straight and probably put him out in the first round. That sounds vicious. It sounds like a horrible world that I'm thinking inside of my head, but that's just what I'm imagining this fight's going down like. Because let's just, let's not kid ourselves. Donald Cerrone has told us exactly how this fight's going to go. He told us he's not going to grapple. He told us that he doesn't watch film, and he told us that he drinks during fight camp. So I'm not expecting, I'm not expecting anything special. Not to mention, this is what Donald Cerrone has done his entire career. And he's made it work. Like, he's been to title fights. He's been in high-profile fights, but he's never touched gold. And I think that's the ultimate reason why. Because sacrifice. I think a person who's willing to sacrifice more ultimately is going to triumph in anything and everything that they do. And Conor has proven time and time again, he's willing to sacrifice. Guy fights with a torn ACL. Guy fights with a broken foot. Whatever injuries you think he did or didn't have. He, I'm just basing it off of what he says. So don't hold me to the flame, guys. But anyway, that's my prediction. I think Conor looks absolutely phenomenal in that workout. Donald Trone is putting together documentaries and movies and stuff. And I'm not saying that's going to take away from his practice or his focus or anything because let's be real it could take you up to a day to do a lot of these things but i think that don Troni needs to be willing to sacrifice more if he wants to come out on top i'm not saying he can't do it but i think he needs to put his pride aside and just say well maybe i should grapple for five rounds or maybe i should wrestle him for the first round and then try my luck in the striking department in the second or third or fourth or fifth george st pierre said it the exact same way he said if donald was willing to wrestle connor for that first round it's looking good for him but if he wants to strike, he's going to get sniped. That's my prediction. That's what I think. Thank you all so much for this. I love y'all. I'm glad to be back. I missed y'all so much. I'm Kairos, and enjoy your week. Have a great day. All right. Yes, so... Yes, I agree with Carol's 100%. It is time for us to have some UFC. This drought or famine must be over, Mike. How are you standing here? You all right? You know something? I like the break because it allowed me to oh. not only catch up with things like Watchmen. Man, if you're not watching that by now, <laughs> come on now. Come on now. You finish oh my Blinders. God. It's time for I Watchmen. Did. I know, and I can't, every I always forget. As soon as we're done recording, I forget. But it's but you get me invigorated when you speak of it. So you know, I'm gonna put it in my phone and like set an alarm. Maybe I'll watch tonight because I need something to do. But 
Back to Kairos. Mm. Sounds like he is a believer in Conor McGregor. And the reason why he's a believer is, you know, he did watch that video that me and you maybe tweeted about with Conor McGregor in the gym with the music, mm. with his friends. And then, you know, like the um, the footwork and when he was hitting pads with the old school trainer. You know, like Carol's Car- is a believer. He sees uh, the motivation, the focus. You back. know what? I got a lot of comments. I mean, I think it was mm-hmm. about 9,000 likes and something like two and a half thousand retweets. But the majority of people mm. had something to say about, you know, Connor's performance, which was really, really interesting. I mean, I had, you know, people who i hate to ban this word about because i I think it's quite derogatory but a lot of casuals join in the conversation to say oh well he looks really rough sparring doesn't he well he wasn't actually sparring he was hitting pads that's the first thing were those the casuals or the haters because carols did mention that there are people that are just saying that connor's gonna lose just because they don't like him so casuals or haters because that's not strange that's a casual great if somebody is coming into a discussion where you can clearly see someone hitting pads calling it sparring now right they don't know what they're looking at that's my thing and that's why i say I, i hate to band about that you know, turn casual. But there was a lot of haters, a lot of people saying he was slow, he was sloppy. What I saw there was precision. What I saw there was timing. What I saw there was focus. You know, I I shudder to even say this because, you know, it's a very casual thing to say, but I think we're seeing vintage Conor McGregor there. You know, I'm not going to call it vintage, but what I will say is that what I saw was good. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Like, he looked light on his feet, he looked loose, he looked composed, and he looked precise. I didn't expect to see fireworks or anything crazy. First and foremost, when you see um, video footage like that, the fighters don't really want to show too much of the game plan. They're going to show you just a little tidbit. Notice there's a lot of emphasis on his right hook, which is interesting because he favors the left side of his body. You know what I mean? So, Mm. yeah, they're, they're, they're keeping things a little quiet but at the same time the glimpse of what you saw was beautiful i saw somebody that was very large for his frame but very light on his feet i noticed it right away i was like he looks light on his feet but he's a welterweight interesting so he looks good is what i'm gonna say and Karos is right mike like when you take your feelings out of fighting, whether it's because someone supports Trump or whether it's because you you know you're upset by certain allegations a fighter has outside of an organization, mm. and when he's you know on his downtime, facts are facts, and fighter is an, excuse me Connor is an elite fighter. So if you light that fire under his ass and you get him focused, he's right back in the mix. So you can hate him all you like, he's still a really good fighter, and he's still you know somebody that we talk about and he's 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 in the mix he's up there he's elite put it this way no one more than me is looking forward to connor coming back i mean i i've got to you know give praise where it's due connor is the reason why um my first video with him basically it was a a mini documentary and i was talking to people like Mm. david hay i mean you name it um i went out and about i interviewed you know the the great and the good and they gave their uh, opinions of conor mcgregor and that got 1.8 million views my first ever video to do over a million views So I I notice as well, whenever I tweet about Conor McGregor, these are getting above average in terms of retweets. Like I I mentioned, I mean, I've pinned it as a pinned tweet. I've never had uh, a 
tweet which has had 9,000 likes. This is just totally ridiculous. Yeah, and it's so funny. Um, today I watched Donald Cerrone's um, little three-part um, mini docuseries right. on Amazon. And I watched that, and then I watched Connor's three-minute video of him in the gym with, like, the dance music. And, you know, no disrespect to Donald Cerrone, but I found Connor's little three-minute segment a bit more exciting than the entire <laughs> docuseries. Oh, wow. of, I've been kind of like yeah, trying to key, key myself up to go and see that. So you're telling me it's a waste of time? Wow. It's, it, I wouldn't say a waste of time, but it's like it's cowboy in his element. You know, he's he's not um, Conor McGregor is flashy, loud, playing his music in his in his gym with his roadies, you know, hanging yeah. out. Donald's late, even though Donald's jumping off a bridge or fishing, he's still a laid back and a family man. It's just a whole different Vibe. environment. Mm. And and also, too, there's no comeback story with Donald. Donald even said it in the docuseries. He's just like, I'm here to have fun. I'm invigorated. I'm training hard, but I always train hard, and I'm a professional. And this is what I do. It doesn't matter if it's Connor, so and so, this and that. Even if I lose, I can still look at myself in the mirror. And then you have Connor. You have this whole redemption mm. story. The haters, the casuals. You know what's been going on with him. So it's just, it's a different speed. I wouldn't say it was it was a waste of time, but wasn't as interesting as that three minute clip of of um, on Mac Life with Connor McGregor. I will admit that. Oh, wow. Well, I. And I'm not a, I'm not the biggest fan of neither one of them, but I would have to say that Connor's just a bit more electrifying, you know, so I get it. Mm. Speaking of electrifying, I think it's about time that mm -hmm. we brought in Chisanga Malata with his weekly segment. What's up, guys? Chisanga Malata here from the Daily Star and Daily Express. First up, a belated Happy New Year to all you filthy MMA annals. I hope you had a good festive periods and have well fed and well drank and are looking forward to the next few months. But speaking of the next few months, 2020 is going to be kicking off with a bang this coming weekend. Of course, you've got Conor McGregor taking on Donald Cerrone at UFC 246 and a thoroughly entertaining card in Columbus the next weekend on January 25th. That's obviously the UFC card in Columbus. But right now I'm here to talk to you about one of the things I'm most looking forward to this year, which is the recommencement of Bellator's European series. Now, when it was first announced in December uh, 2018, I'm not going to lie, I was kind of a bit skeptical whether the promotion would be able to fulfill the promise to provide more European shows and showcase the seemingly endless amount of talent we have on this side of the pond or this side of the globe, depending on where you're listening to this from. But I feel like, and I'll admit this, I was somewhat left with egg in my face. For me, last year, the series, and more importantly, Bellator well and truly delivered on their promise to provide more shows and thus provide fighters, particularly in the UK and Ireland, with a platform to, sorry, with a platform to paint their paint the canvases. Obviously, last year, I do believe, off the top of my head. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, we had two shows in Dublin and two in London, obviously, as well as cards in Newcastle, Birmingham and Milan, of course. The frequency of the cards was pleasing from a fan standpoint, but initially some of the matchmaking for me left plenty to be desired. Uh, and the fight that really attests to that fact for me, of course, was Michael Venom Page's fight with Gianni Vermilo, um in November. However, my disappointment has waned in recent weeks, given the recent and in recent days, I should say, given the recent additions to Bellator Dublin on February 22nd, the, which is the first European series event of the year. As we all know, the card is headlined by James Gallagher versus Cal Oner and Peter Queeley versus Brent Pymus. 
the latter being in a matchup would really whet my appetite and the type Bellator should be fight making, sorry, for their established European fighters. That's kind of a weird thing because uh, uh, both fights are meant to be main events and Bellator are kind of doing two shows on the actual one night, but it's just kind of weird. That's that's kind of a pet peeve for me, but I'll go into that another day. And at this moment in time, I've got to give props to the big man himself, one of the bad man matchmakers in the entire sport, Mr. Jude Samuel, who somehow has telepathically heard my calls for more testing fights for the stars this side of the pond by booking Franz Malambo against Ricky Bandeas. For me, this is a thoroughly entertaining fight, and at this stage of his career, I think Franz needs to be facing the type of the the fighters of the caliber of Bandeas to uh, kickstart his progression. Not only is Malambo versus Bandeas an awesome fight style-wise, it will of course see Bandeas step into enemy territory and a chorus of boos at the uh, Three Arena because he obviously, in August 2018, emphatically defeated SBG Island's James Gallagher, handing him his first loss in emphatic fashion. And let's not forget, Malambo is a teammate of Gallagher at SBG Island, so the bout provides Franz the opportunity to avenge his fallen comrade and Bandeas a chance to become the SBG killer on hostile turf. What more could you want, story-wise? That's absolutely fantastic. Also recently announced for the card is a 160-pound catch weight bout between Keith Crosby and Iamek... Sorry, my pronunciation is horrendous. Iamek Furtado. Crosby, of course, was initially meant to face Hugh Pulley, but he's since been given the task of welcoming Furtado to Bellator. I think this will be somewhat of a testing fight for Kiefer, as the African Lion, as he's called, is on a six-fight win streak, and he's won three of those fights via TKO. Sorry. So I think this should be a good one. Other notable additions to the card are former UFC stars Charlie Ward and Beck Rollins, who will take on Kyle Kurtz and Elena Kilinadu. I hope I said that correctly, respectively. <laughs> Ward, of course, will be looking to bounce back from defeat to Pietro Panini at Bellator London last November, and Rollins will be looking to avenge, or not avenge, sorry, bounce back from her October submission loss to Ilara Joan. Right, guys, that's all from me, Chisanga Malata of the Daily Star and Daily Express. I hope you enjoy the rest of the show, and I hope you enjoy the fights this weekend. I echo everything that he said there about the European series. In terms of what Bellator has done, they've done a phenomenal job so far. A lot of people, I think, need to recognise as well, they are keeping fighters busy. Not only are they keeping fighters busy, they're keeping them paid. There is a kind of like constant theme in European MMA, particularly in the UK, that it's okay to, you know, well, treat fighters badly. And I'm talking about in terms of payment. That's one thing that Bellator certainly aren't doing. But one of the things also, just to echo and kind of amplify, is I really don't think he gets his due, and that is Jude Samuel. What he's doing in terms of matchmaking is nothing short of incredible. I really do rate him. A lot of people need to kind of recognise that I feel he is the Europe... Well, he, I feel he's Europe's number one matchmaker. Oh, yeah. I've definitely seen you tweet about this guy. Every time there's like a good matchup in Bellator, <laughs> you like shout him right out. And I think a lot of times... I think matchmakers are people that are just behind the scene, Mike. You just really don't see these guys and they don't get enough props, you know? So, And I think um, quiet is kept. There's a little underlining um, storyline here as well because let's not forget on the prelims we have Franz Malambo going against Ricky Bendejas mm. and who did Ricky Bendejas completely annihilate a couple of years ago in the first round superstar 
James Gallagher. Yeah. Oh, don't hold me to it. I'm not sure if it was in the first round, but I do know that he hideously knocked him out. And it's so funny. James Gallagher and Cal Eleanor are the main event. And then on the on the prelims, you have Franz Lambeau fighting out of Ireland from SBG fighting the nemesis that knocked out, you know, James Gallagher, Ricky Bandeja. So for folks to be, you know, criticizing Bellator for not having storylines, I think we have one right here. And you see, in terms of narrative structure, you can't get any better than this. In terms of what Ricky Bandeas is looking to do, obviously he wants to continue his reign or his previous reign as the SBG That's hunter, right. SBG killer, especially, you know, given the build-up and given how famously, you know, James was, uh, you know, w- almost to a state of, you know, I-, I was worried about, you know, how many blows he actually took and how, you know, basically um, horrendous that actually looked on camera. But, you know, there's that storyline. There's obviously a revenge aspect. Well, you know, even though, you know, when we spoke to Franz, he didn't seem hell-bent on revenge, given his calm demeanour, his his almost, um, what's the word, uh, clinical way of actually looking at it, um, there is, for me, an underlying story of me revenge too. here. So <laughs> I'm really hoping that it actually lives up to the storyline and I can't wait to actually see this matchup but yeah just to echo um, Chisanga's thoughts there um, I totally agree and I really do believe that um, you know in terms of storylines in terms of narratives um, well Bellator are actually oh, I totally up again. agree I mean for the past year or two I've always watched Bellator but for the past year or two with these Grand Prix and these European series I'm really dialed in you know I'm learning about all these new fighters and then Bellator is going out and doing like co-promotions with um, Ryzen and stuff like that so it's it's pretty awesome to see. So I look forward to them putting on more shows, and especially in Europe. I mean, speaking of storylines, I suppose this is a neat point to actually segue back into mm-hmm. UFC 246. There are so many storylines going into this. We're looking at rematches and we're looking at, you know, a feud stretching it might be uh, something which I'm doing here, but a feud which kind of like started war of words, um, well, um, jarring at each other. And that is Cowboy Cerrone and McGregor are no stranger to actually um, going at each other. And it's all culminated now into McGregor's comeback at UFC 246. Now, to be honest with you, if I'd be perfectly frank, this card, I know we've had a hiatus. I know we've had a holiday. I know we've had a almost clean break. But to come back and, (laughs) yo, famine, um, to come back, I was expecting a feast. Um, Let's just cut straight to the chase. This, for me, is a card which is just about McGregor and Cerrone. Don't get me wrong. There is obviously a narrative going on with um, Holly Holm and Holly Holm's return and Holly Holm's rematch. But for me... This is all about McGregor. I mean, in terms of the card, am I being harsh here? Because the only thing I would say that would have spiced this up is if they'd have put, you know, some UK talent or even some um, UK interest in terms of uh, maybe the prelims. But for me, this card is pretty. It just kind of hurts my feelings a little bit that the co-main event is Holly Holm and Raquel Pennington. One, it's not a fight that mm. fans were just, you know clamoring or desiring to see and i don't really know what it does for them in the division as well being that both went up against amanda nunez and both got 
kind of obliterated. So I don't really know why this is happening, but I will say there are some like, I wouldn't say gems, Mike, but fun fights on the card, but it would be more of like from a hardcore fan, you know, perspective. Claudia Gadelia versus Alexa Grasso, very important fight. Claudia's at a new camp with um, what Mark Henry, I believe. Alexa Grasso's on her way up. That's an important fight, you know, and Right now, at this point, I'd have to watch footage to see who takes it. But Claudia is at a new camp, so I can't tell you how she's going to perform against an up-and-comer like Alexa, Anthony Pettis, Diego Ferreira. Yeah. There's a few fun stuff on here. And let's not forget my co-main event, which I'm just going to call it, is Andre Feely versus Sadiq Youssef. You know, I think that's – don't forget that gem is on the um, prelims. And don't forget Macy Barber, who has been just thumping women in her division in the flyweight division is up against you know a favorite Roxanne Modafari a fan favorite that's a gritty vet so there are some like there's some stuff on here that's going to be fun but I can't say this card is just tantalizing or has me drooling or anything and I think they're really just banking on the Conor McGregor comeback and then Donald Cerrone our you know our beloved cowboy so I mean just think about it this way Mike if the main event fell through the, this would be a pretty lackluster card if if the main event fell through. You see, that that's just the thing. This kind of like reminds me of how boxing structures their cards. Mm. This is very much about the main event, and rightly so. But, you know, given that we've had, you know, a, a long hiatus, I was just expecting a little bit more. But, you know, just onto the, the meat and the potatoes there, in mm-hmm. terms of the main event... Uh, are we going to do a, a push-up oh my god. for this? Or I still owe you push-ups from Washington, D.C. Oh, my God. I'm going to send that over to you right away. Wow. Well, there is the thing that I wanted to <laughs> mention. I hadn't seen the video, and I just wanted to ask oh my god, I I've been it. so caught up with all this MMA work, my life, <laughs> and then Thailand vacation and Christmas. Oh, my God. Yes, I will have that for you ASAP. It's 30. I didn't forget. And, yes, we can have another one for Conor McGregor, Donald Cerrone. But, my man, I think we're both picking the same person here, but I'm going to let you go first. Yeah. Put it this way, look, he's been, what, over 15 months out of the cage. Conor McGregor, the last time we saw him, um, obviously taking that L. I think welterweight is a little bit of a stretch, considering that when we've seen him around that mm-hmm. weight category, it's not worked out in terms of his gas tank. Now, we know that he closes the distance real quick. We know that Donald Cerrone is a slow star. He's yes. slow to warm up. He's slow to, you know, basically his feeling out process, I think he's quite labored. But given that, you know, we have somebody who from the out the gate is looking to take your head clean off in his own words. Given that we've got somebody who has an array of tools. I mean, I want to see uh, Capoeira <laughs> McGregor coming back to the cage, to be honest with you. He's got an array of kicks and Capoeira is one thing I want to see. People, you know, keep talking about this left hand, but, you know, it's undoubtable. I, I think that, you know, a lot of people need to be reminded that his toolbox is actually oh, quite yeah. deep. To cut to the chase, I do see, even though, you know, um, Cerrone has 23 wins. He's had, what, 16 finishes. He's had 18 post-fight bonuses, 20 knockdowns, 7 KOs via kicks. 
I still see this as Conor McGregor's coming back party. I think that we're looking at a pretty emphatic victory, given that um, Cerrone actually suffers at the hands quite frequently uh, of southpaws, given that Conor McGregor is a southpaw, given that he's going to be using an array of kicks, feints, jabs, and, um, you know, that vicious left hand, there's only one winner in this, and I, you know... I'll be shocked and surprised if Conor McGregor's hand is raised. I'm 100% with you. I think Conor McGregor, you know, everybody talks about his left hand, and I do agree with you that he has an arsenal of weapons that, you know, people don't often talk about. But let's go back to that left hand. People don't talk about the footwork and also how Conor cuts people off and just has them set up perfectly for that left hand. There's a lot that goes into that left hand that people do not discuss. They just see the knockout, but they don't see how mm. the beautiful footwork and the feints get you to be a victim of that left hand. And I think that's what's going to happen with Donald Cerrone. Conor McGregor hits too hard and too precisely for a chin that Donald Cerrone, just as of recently, I'm just not too confident about. I completely agree with Franz Malambo that Donald Cerrone has the heart, the determination, the professionalism, always makes wait like in his you know documentary i just watched always enthusiastically coming forward and happy to be there but his chin is not the same and connor's just going to light him up at some point and he's not gonna be able to take it you know i think not a lot of people are talking about the fact that you know donald's core has actually suffered at the hands of that Mm. motorcycle accident it's never been the same so look for mcgregor to be softening up that core Look for those body shots and look for those vicious and quite evil yeah. teak kicks and just side to, kicks as well. I mean, just to be empty a his gas tank, of yeah. just to empty the gas tank, soften mm. up the midsection. And guess what that does? It leads him right into a left hand he doesn't see coming, and it's a hard one. You know, that's that's the beauty of Conor McGregor is it's not just the left hand; it's all the things that he does for you to just get hit by it. <laughs> You know, and I think and I think that's oh, what happens now. Let's not just ragdoll Donald Cerrone here at any point. He can land a head kick. His head kicks are vicious. If they go to the ground, he can contest Conor McGregor. Conor McGregor's jujitsu defense better be on point. So he is a legitimate threat. And we'll see how he fights if he fights smart with Conor. Or does he, you know, put it this way. If Conor doesn't light him up and end him early, Donald Cerrone going to get stronger as the fight yeah. goes on. Because he just needs to warm up. So I still put my money on Conor McGregor. I don't know what type of bet you want to make, being that we both are going for him. But, yeah, I'm going with Conor all the way. Put it this way. If McGregor loses, we both do 40 press-ups. There you go. How about that? I'll, I'll, I'll get ready. I'll, I'll hit you <laughs> with your 30 this week, and I'll, I'm getting ready. I'll make this week's theme with the gym push-ups. No worries. <laughs> <laughs> Tremendous. You know, just before we wrap up, it's been a while since we took some listener questions. Um, it's about time, I feel, that we segued back into answering those. So what listener okay, questions have so we got this week? First off, um, the bat is Maximus 0812-7780. This is a he new has one. A r- no, he's not new to me. He's hilarious, and he has a great sense of humor. His like little retweets make me crack up laughing so bad, but he's also a hella hardcore MMA fan. And Maximus his question to us... Numbers. Anyway, sorry. Oh, my God. It's like, I'm not repeating the numbers. Maximus, change your name. It's driving me crazy. Um, 
<laughs> he says, pure stand-up. Do you guys at Woe TV believe Connor would win a stand-up battle against Usman, giving uh, Usman's lack of movement? So basically he's saying, no, take the wrestling out of it, Mike. Who wins in a stand-up battle at 170, Usman the champ or Conor McGregor? Definitely Conor McGregor. Conor McGregor's coming from a boxing background, but not only that, having seen him recently, I mean, going back to the hitting pads his movement is beautiful now i have to say the footwork is incredible i don't want to come over like the gushing conor mcgregor fanboy but you know we've all been talking about this whole aspect which you know well i suppose is the elephant in the room and that is mm-hmm. cage rust he's been out for yes. over 15 months but to see him actually hitting those pads the body movement the the foot movement just the, mm-hmm. the fluidity of the shots. There's no that way that Usman actually stands up against that. He's clearly the bat boxer. Yeah, I think, you know, when Usman fought Kobe, okay, most of us who watch MMA and keep a close eye on both those two men know that Usman was the better striker. Yeah. But that was Usman versus Kobe. Connor is is light years kind of like ahead of Usman in the striking department. Mm. Thus why, if they ever do fight... I believe Usman wrestles him to death, you know, and doesn't even fool with that left hand. And I think Usman's, you know, fight IQ and his wrestling pedigree just kind of smokes Conor. But if you take away the stand-up, mm. I'm going with Conor yeah. all day. He's just a better boxer. Every day. Yeah, that's it. Um, and he has one more question. So why not, Max? This is your show today. Yeah. Um, does Conor... Um, Let's see. Does Connor regain the face of the UFC with just one win over Cowboy, given the lack of stars in the UFC? So, basically, does this one win over him just gives him that limelight again and that stardom in the UFC, Mike? What do you think? You know, I think regardless of whether it's a win or an L, he'll have that because he has had it already. Like I say, I've never seen anything like this. This is basically him, well taking off where he left off and that was the last time that he was in the cage we had this sort of traction on Woe TV in terms of the visits when we put stories up when we put videos up in terms of the tractions on the tweets as well exactly the same thing he will always have that magnetism that star power because I think there's something a little bit um, unsaid uh, as to what's going on here That star power doesn't seem to be waning because, again, let's address the elephant in the room. There are some um, allegations which, you know, I think it would be unprofessional to actually go into because they are just allegations. And not only that, I don't want to get, you know, WOTV sued. But the fact is (laughs) that hasn't diminished his star power given... I suppose, well, there's two things. One, they are unproven. We haven't actually seen that play out in court. But I suppose because of his magnetism, because of the way in which he attracts people, because of the way in which he carries himself, he's got that star power, that star quality. So I still see that being there, regardless of whether this is a win or an L. Um, I totally agree with you. I think he's the biggest name and face in not just the UFC, but in all of MMA, Yeah. period. And yeah. I think even with the loss, he can spin that and go back to lightweight. I mean, I think that's why he's fighting at welterweight. 
this is just an option for him that he can do. He can make himself look great with a win over Cowboy mm. at um, welterweight. But if he loses to Cowboy, guess what? That's not my natural weight class. Exactly. Oh, we were trying this and that. Mm. Now I go back down to lightweight where I just annihilated Eddie last time you guys saw me fight. So, you know, I'll just eat off that momentum and train and be the come the and I'll fight Khabib, you know, or I'll fight someone in lightweight, Justin Gaethje. And then I think he just has so many options, win or lose, that the biggest face in MMA is going to oh, be just fine. But I think if he does win against Cowboy, it'll bolster his career even more. If he can do it in fantastic fashion, too, it'll mm. be the talk mm. of the town. So it's a win-win oh, for him either way. So, Mike, I have a question for you because I was dying okay. to pick your brain about something. Um just recently, um, Coach Kavanaugh had some interesting comments about um, being Connor's coach and said something about along the lines. I don't know if you saw it, but like Con- he's learning a lot from Connor and that Connor kind of runs his camp. Did you see any articles like that or what were your thoughts on those comments? I'm trying to pull it up. So pretty worrying, pretty worrying because. Having got the impression that it was because of his lack of direction, his lack of discipline and the fact that he wasn't prepared to take orders, he was giving orders in his last camp, um, that was partly cited as the reason for his loss. Now, it just seems like that talk has been uh, glossed over and it seems as though it's been forgotten. It seems as though as Coach Kavanaugh was saying recently, he's actually dictating the terms. That's not how coach and fighter relationships uh, usually work. So I have to say, I was I was deeply troubled when I saw that. Yeah, he did. I have it here in front of me so that we have more of a factual statement. <clears throat> it says Connor knows more about fighting than the rest of us put together. And when he said that, it was including himself, which is just kind of a bizarre relationship yes. to have with your fighter. However, however, Mike, to answer my own question, I mean, why should we believe him? Maybe he's just trying to make Connor look good. Maybe this is a part of self-promoting. Maybe he's trolling us. I just don't think we should all just get all our panties in a bunch at the moment about that. You just never really know what's the truth out there when people are, you know, telling things true, to But the one media. thing I, I've you know what I mean? Learn, having, you know, engaged in conversations with mm-hmm. um, John Kavanaugh over the last, what, 12 years, I, I do feel that mm-hmm. he's a man who, um, well, he means what he says and he says what he means. That gives me pause. I'm not going to say red flag because my guess what? I'm going to humble myself. I'm not a fighter. Mm. I've never coached anybody and no one's ever had to coach me in combat sports. So I'm not going to have too much of an opinion about this, but I will say that I ain't never heard no shit like that before <laughs> in my life <laughs> while, while, being a, while being a fan of this shit here. So I'm just going to put it out there. I ain't never heard nothing like that before and we'll see how this plays out. What's our final so. question? Um, our final question is from one of my favorites, Sirius King. Um, he says, how big a fight is this for Holly Holm? And if she loses to Rocky, is her career in trouble? So you know the co-main event is um, Raquel Pennington yeah. versus Holly Holm. Don't know why the UFC is mm. putting this on, but here we are. What do you think if Holly loses to Raquel? What do you think this does for her, well, if anything? I, I don't think that this fight actually does anything for her period so for her to have lost it I mean she hasn't actually gained anything with a win and she hasn't actually lost anything with an L because this just keeps her stationary 
think about where um, the so-called rankings are at the moment, um, if you go by the rankings, I, I personally don't feel that, you know, either way that this goes does anything for her at all. Yeah, I'm going to agree with you here. Um, I'm looking at the rankings right now. She is number three. Raquel is number five. And to be honest with you, let's not forget that both of these ladies went up against the GOAT. There you go. Amanda Nunes, and they both got mm. smashed. So, um, you know, there was that controversy with Raquel when her corner wanted to throw in the towel, or they should have, and then Holly yeah. Holm got kicked in the face. So I don't think with a win over a win with either one of them does anything for them as far as maybe Mm. title contention. So they're really going to have to beef up their wins or just kind of switch up things and do things in fantastic, you know, fan favorite fashion if they're going to want to get back to Amanda. So, and I think the reason why I brought this up, Mike, is because I really just don't understand what the matchmakers are doing here with this fight and why it's the co-main event. But Mm. Isn't it? Like, that's that's why I picked this question. I get us to talk about it a little bit because I am baffled by it. And when you go on the blogs and MMA Twitter and online and just really isn't too much of a yeah, demand for yeah. this fight. So hopefully the ladies, you know, shut us up, put on a show and be like, well, you know, the matchmaker knows what they're doing. And they come out and bang because the first time they fought, it was very lackluster. So I've got a question for you, see. actually. I, I, I'm intrigued uh-huh. by your, your take on this. With Conor McGregor mm-hmm. taking part in media fight week, and he's obviously going to be interacting with journalists, he's obviously either going to have a scrum or one-to-ones. Do you think it's pertinent of journalists to actually mention his legal troubles, wranglings, and, uh, well, what's actually been, well, underreported? Obviously underreported for a good reason, but... Do you think it's pertinent to actually pose questions um, as to the status and the progress of what's actually happening? Yeah, I think it is important for us to know what's going on. I think we need to let media do their jobs. I have a problem with the censorship of the media and it needs to be factual and it needs to be what they do for a living, which is gather the information unbiased and give it back to the people. And that's exactly what they need to be doing. It's a bit concerning when you start to hear about censorship or they can't Mm -hmm. ask certain questions. Like what type of world and country do we live in that we can't ask questions? And also, too, I think it's only right that we hold him accountable for his actions. You know, if you are involved in something that has brought attention to you, we, we should know about it. You've got a lot of kids and a lot of people and a lot of men that think he's a role model, yet we don't know this dark side of him or maybe these allegations that are not true. You know, like we need to just kind of investigate this further to see what type of guy and fighter he is. And unfortunately, it's a part of the sport. Controversy comes with who they are and what they do. And why can't we be a part of that you as see, well? You see, I hear exactly where you're coming from. That's why I, I really was eager to hear your take. When you think about it like this, it hasn't played out in court. There are, I would have thought, um, restrictions on what he can say ahead of any possible court case if it does actually get to court. Plus, we have to keep remembering that these are allegations. Why should he answer anything around yeah. allegations? It's like, you know, we need to keep being mindful. I feel I'm playing devil's advocate now. Surely we should be mindful mm-hmm. of the fact that this is about a fight. 
This isn't about a general chit-chat with uh, Conor McGregor. Media Fight Week is typically around um, how fighters are actually faring. The, the, the usual run-of-the-mill questions do come up, but also, um, you know, it does actually segue into other things which are typically fight-related. When you pull it back in terms yeah. of strands, they all relate back to fighting. So why should we go off at a tangent in a segue, as it were? And it, it isn't even a natural segue into something totally um, not to do with fighting. Yeah, I mean, I can I can also play devil's advocate and kind of understand you in that way, but it's just unfair when we pick and choose yeah. to do things like that. You know, you can you you bring politics into MMA. Oh, we can't talk about politics. We can't criticize the fighters that bring it into MMA. But you know, at the same time, it's also a concern of just I don't want to say freedom of speech, but it's just a concern of just letting journalists do mm. their jobs. If this is something that needs to be reported on as a free country, a free nation, a free state and a free world, we should be able to ask these questions. He can give a statement and he can decline to answer these questions, but allow these people to do their jobs. And I find it just a little eye-opening and concerning when you hear that they're being censored or they're afraid to speak up. I think if, if, if there are certain allegations going on with anyone that's you know a public figure and someone we might be able to turn into a role model regardless of whether they're fighting in a cage or not, we should know what, what's going on in their lives as well if they pre- these things present themselves and there are certain people that are here to do that and why censor them. But... I do see your point. What does it have to do with fighting? Because there are plenty of people online that are like, oh, my God, I don't care. I just want to mm, see him fight mm. again, you know? You know, like, <laughs> so like, like I, I definitely get it. I am, you know, in a sense, playing devil's advocate there. I can see both mm-hmm. sides of the argument. But ultimately, for me, a lot of uh, store has been put by the fact that um, when you're a journalist, you're actually... Not necessarily journalists when it comes to mixed martial arts. I'll tell you what I mean. Luke Thomas, um, I, I would say, raised a very, very good point in that are we literally an extension of the outlets and, uh, sorry, promotions that we cover when we don't raise related issues which aren't strictly MMA? Are we basically doing PR here? Shouldn't we be you know, going by the journalist's code, and that is to probe, to, to, to cajole, and to, to find out mm-hmm. in depth about issues which, you know, aren't necessarily the popular talking points, but give us a more well-rounded view yeah. of news. So I, I, I can see that yeah. angle as well, because, to be honest with you. Yeah, yeah because... Unfortunately, we can't just always have the good, the bad, and the ugly. We have to have, excuse me, we can't just have the good. We have to have the good, the bad, and ugly, and it comes with the sport. We're going to have controversy. And here's the thing, controversy can affect the sport. So why are we ignoring it? Let's say these allegations, he is found guilty. It affects the sports. It affects how he fights in the UFC. Does he fight in the UFC? And then if he's not found guilty, then we need to discuss smear campaigns. It's just, it's just so much more, and you can't just close those doors yeah. and not discuss them. You know, and he can release a statement. He can say no comments. He can, but that doesn't mean, you know, the journalist should but, not try. 
he should be the one that's like, I refrain from speaking on this, but let them do their jobs and let and, them and feel I think like that they can. wraps it up quite nicely. You're right. I feel that it should be broached as a subject. It's for him then to um, elicit the appropriate yes. response, but to skirt around it or that's not to mention it at it. all. It's a little bit like, you know, well, additional PR. Exactly. And it infringes on their job. So I'm not I'm I'm not into it, but you wrapped it up perfectly, Mike. I'm sitting here going in circles and shit. I'm like, there you go, Mike. Speaking (laughs) of wrapping up, that about wraps up this week's episode of The Workers. As usual, you can follow and actually continue the conversation via Twitter. You can get G at G from WoTV on Twitter and myself, Mike WoTV on Twitter. Until next week. Make some trouble. Always, Mike. See you.